I don't know that there is any more important or practical topic we could talk about than what we have for you today on Chris Fabry Live. And we could give it an erudite title. We could call it Bioethical Decisions in the Family. But an email I received earlier today hits home better than that title. Email says, uh, when my mom was in the last few months of her life, I would have helped her to die if I could have. She was suffering so much and she had no quality of life. I do not see why that would be a bad thing on a personal level. However, I can see the slippery slope of allowing people to decide when they want to die and who makes that decision. I'm a conflicted Christian in this regard. Look forward to hearing the program. Well, that's what you're going to hear straight ahead. And my guess is you have an experience on one or both ends of the spectrum, the beginning of life or the ending of life. How do you navigate those hard decisions? How do you deal with it in a family situation where you disagree about fundamental issues? Dr. John Kilner is our guest today. You're going to meet him straight ahead here on Moody Radio. Thanks for joining us, and thank you to our team assembled. Ryan McConaughey doing all things technical. Trish is our producer in the chair today. Lynn will be answering your calls. I think today's conversation is going to help somebody who is in a difficult season of life, or maybe you're preparing for that. And I want you to know, you enable us to go to these places of the heart. We're listener-supported, and we are not quite at our goal for the month of February, and we just have a couple more days left. So I want to encourage you, if you value what you hear each day, if you've gained some encouragement, or maybe you want to help others who are in some difficult season that you're not in, support us either today or tomorrow or Thursday. Our thank you this month is Ron Hutchcraft's A Life That Matters My sense is, as we decided to offer this book, I just feel a growing concern, a holy dissatisfaction in my own life, and my own heart, about the way we're stewarding the gospel. Are we keeping it to ourselves, or are we giving it away? And this book will challenge you, it will motivate you, and it will encourage you by giving you the tools to be the ambassador for Christ right where you are right now. Anybody around you, do you know anybody around you who's not a follower of Jesus? Are you praying for anybody like that? What if you are the person God has uniquely placed in their lives? Do you know how to have a conversation about the gospel? If that's scary to you, don't miss this great resource. I know it will encourage you, and you'll encourage us with your gift. Call 866-95-FABRY if you want to give that way, or go to the website, chrisfabrylive.org. Scroll down to become a friend or partner with us, chrisfabrylive.org. It'd be really great to hear from you. 866-953-2279 is the number. Dr. John F. Kilner is Professor Emeritus of Bioethics and Contemporary Culture at Trinity Even... Sorry. Trinity International University. It's State Trinity, and I go evangelical every time. He is also a senior fellow at the Center for Bioethics and Human Dignity. He has researched and taught in the fields of ethics and bioethics for more than 50 years, since 1973. He received, I'm going to read the whole thing. 
received a BA in English Literature from Yale, an MDiv from Gordon-Conwell, MA and PhD in Ethics from Harvard. He's written extensively on human dignity, authoring or co-authoring such books as Why People Matter, Dignity and Destiny, Why the Church Needs Bioethics, and Biotechnology and the Human Good. You can find out more about him today and a new website that he's created that I think is really going to help. Dr. Kellner, it's great to have you with us today. Thanks for joining us. Great to be with you, Chris. Let's talk about that email. What do you glean from my friend who wrote those words? Oh, I, I love the honest struggle there. Um, that's, that's what really jumps out at me. And what I especially appreciate is the way that that person is able to recognize that maybe there's a difference between a particular individual situation and what's at stake in a practice lived out in the context of this nation or this world. And, and she recognizes that, which, which I love because, you know, that's the problem that this whole issue of assisted suicide or medical aid in dying, different terminology there, is often portrayed as, well, it's just a matter of choice. Are we going to let individuals have a matter of choice? But quite frankly, Chris, I mean, if you look at that, you know, you're talking about physician-assisted suicide or physician-assisted death, you know, the, the two key players there are the, the physician and the, the person who's in terrible shape health-wise. So what do those people think? about this as a practice. Well, with regard to the doctors, uh, you'd think if, if this is just a matter of choice, they'd like to have another choice, you know, to offer, offer patients um, another option. Um, but the American Medical Association, uh, it, this is their position on it. They say, physician-assisted suicide is fundamentally incompatible with the physician's role as healer. It would be difficult or impossible to control and it would pose serious societal risks. So they're saying, no, do not give us this option. It looks so good, like it's just a simple matter of choice, but there's so much more to it than that. And, and then with regard to the, the people themselves, um, look at the similar American Association of People with Disabilities. Their position is the abuse and coercion that has occurred in places where assisted suicide is currently legal provides strong evidence that no safeguards can be effective. So they're strongly against it also. So we can unpack this some more, but I just really appreciate the fact that this person recognizes that, hmm, maybe it's not quite so simple. It's just a matter of an individual's choice. Yes. And I, I can give you a personal situation. My guess is you have dealt with this, not just thinking about it and researching it, but you've dealt with it personally as well. Is that true? Well, we've had, uh, like in, our, in terms of the next generation up uh, above us, uh, my wife and I have walked through uh, four parents who have gone through the entire process of declining and dying. So these are, yeah, very real issues for us. Yeah. I'll give you another scenario. And I want to open the phone lines today because we have a website for you that Dr. Kilner has developed to help you think through these issues, whether it's 
in vitro fertilization, and we'll talk about the beginning of life, but especially toward the end of life. It's And you don't have to remember this because we've got a link at chrisfabrylive.org. Just go to chrisfabrylive.org, and we have a link to medicaldecisions.info. I'll tell you more about that, and we'll open the phone lines, too, today at 877-548-3675. Maybe you are right in the middle. You are... You've pulled up to the hospital parking lot and you're listening to us today. I want to talk with you, 877-548-3675. We're talking with author, speaker, senior fellow at the Center for Bioethics and Human Dignity, Dr. John Kilner, today at the Radio Backyard Fence. You can find out more about him and a website we have linked at chrisfabrylive.org. It's titled Medical Decisions. We have a green button you can click today. Just go to chrisfabrylive.org and you'll see what we're talking about. A personal question before we get into more of this. Dr. Kilner, when you were a kid, you know, say eight to 10 years old, and everybody else was, you know, wanting to be a football player, or a baseball player, or a f- firefighter, whatever. Were you trading bioethicist trading cards with your with your friends? Did you? What did you want to be when you were a kid? Well, no, definitely not. I I was really a uh, uh, explore it all kind of guy. I you know I wasn't like I want to be a fireman. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a whatever. It was like I love sports. I loved uh, you know talking and personal interaction. Um, I enjoyed different, uh, you know, academic fields, you know, in terms of, you know, math and reading and that sort of thing. So it really didn't evolve into anything specific until, you know, pretty late in high school. And thinking through, and my guess is that logic was very important to you and thinking things through well was something that you were gifted at. Well, yeah, and I didn't really know that necessarily, but um, I gravitated toward the the one of the activities in high school called uh, debate, and this was a big deal at our high school because they competed in tournaments throughout the year. There was a national topic you debated the whole year, and then state championships and the national championships and all those things, and uh, that that's what really kind of got me focused on. All right, I. I yeah, I really want to engage and help people engage the important issues of our day. One of the books that you've written is Why the Church Needs Bioethics. Does the church know that? Have they embraced that need? No, I think that uh, the reason the book is written is that I think bioethics, uh, which may even be a strange word to some of our listeners today, um, if people know anything about it, they probably think of it, oh, this must be some academic discipline. This must be something about maybe maybe philosophy or theoretical something. And that's not it at all. I mean, this is like stuff of life. Uh, we're talking about beginning of life, end of life issues right now, but it goes all the way through life. And the thing is, the church has an incredible set of tools. Now, bioethics publicly exercised has a lot to do with, you know, philosophy and law and that sort of thing. But the church has an incredible set of resources. And that's what that book does, is that it, it actually traces out, well, what, what does 
preaching and, and Bible and counseling and cross-cultural ministry? And what are all the things that the church is about? Uh, how do they give us what we need to deal with these difficult challenges? Yes. And that's why you have developed this website, and it's a free resource, and there are no ads, and you're not going to call me tomorrow with a great deal on a, <laughs> <laughs> like a plot or anything like that, right? Yeah. No, that's right. Exactly. No, this is a tool that's available. I mean, the reason it's on a site like medicaldecisions.info is that Anybody can access it, and it will enable anybody with any set of values or belief systems to work through either current end-of-life decision-making for themselves or a loved one, or to develop an advanced directive, where it's just a document where you've laid down how you want your situation handled when you can't uh, do it yourself anymore. So, yeah, the reason is to, to make a tool like this available to help people, but Christians will need to know, well, what values and beliefs should we bring to bear on these decisions? And that's why we've developed uh, another uh, site based at, our, uh, based at the church that I attend that lays out the biblical issues that are involved. So if a Christian wants to use the public site and bring biblically-based uh, convictions to bear, that's where the harvestbible.org slash medical comes into play, which I think you also have linked. Got it. Um, so let me, let me just sit down with you and you pull up a chair here because my mother <clears throat> about a year and a half ago passed away and she, she was in her mid nineties. She had to do not resuscitate. Uh, she had lived alone after my father passed away 10 years earlier and uh, we, the family was real concerned about her for, for various reasons. And finally, she agreed to move into a facility where people check on her, you know, each day. She didn't want to live with the, any of the, the rest of the family. She wanted to be by herself. She had, yes. a, and she had a good six months there. But then her health began to turn. Mm. And she um, started having low oxygen levels. And so they transported her to the emergency room. When I got there, you know, flew halfway across the country. When I got there, she was in a fair amount of pain. But, and the doctor comes in and has the x-rays. And he says, Mrs. Faber, you know, here's the thing. And you have a buildup of fluid here. And what we'd like to do is, and he got about right to there. And she said, no, I don't want it. Don't want any of that. I'm, yeah. I'm ready to go. I'm, you know, I'm ready to go meet Jesus. And mm -hmm. I don't want any of this thing. I don't do anything. And uh -huh. I was only one in the room with her other than okay. the doctor. And he looked at me and I just kind of waved at him. I was like, I, yeah, and, <laughs> and I, I, uh. I inserted myself then after, you know, he tried a couple of times and I said, well, mama, here's the thing, color mama, mama, here's mm -hmm. the thing. It, yeah. You're in a lot of pain right now. And this procedure is not like surgery. It's just going to relieve some of the pain that you have so that then you could, you know, at least breathe a little easier and that kind of thing. And it took a day or so, and she agreed to that. And, and it was, you know, we were, we were kind of, nudging her that way. But she then passed away a few weeks later from the mm. same kind of thing that happened and went into a, basically a coma at the end. And I've wondered, did I do the right thing? Did I do the right uh, thing pushing her toward that? Ah, uh, yes. Well, 
You know, I think the the thing is that uh, those of us who are committed to following Christ, um, we know that the way God has created the world to be and to function is really the way that is the best for people to live. Um, it's for our fulfillment. He doesn't lay down all sorts of <laughs> rules and regulations, you know, to uh, to harm us or just to be, you know, a heavy handed uh, ruler. And so I think that we for ourselves and then for our loved ones, especially when we share with a loved one uh, love for Christ, you know, our first question is going to want to be, OK, what what would God have us do? What would God have us value? So, uh, you know, what this resource does, Chris, is that it gives you the choice of doing two things. Now, for her, I think it would have been great early on for her to be able to go through this for the advanced directive, because what that does is that you go through this and it's just, you know, walking through a set of natural scenes down a pathway. You're making choices based upon your your beliefs and values and priorities. And by the time you come to the end, those have all been brought to bear on your situation, either in a general way in the advanced directive, or when you got down to a specific decision, like you just talked about, um, what the, this tool helps you to do is it helps you to ask the important questions to the doctor that are relevant. You know, you, you may just get in a situation and, and just be very reactionary at first. That's what you just described, Chris, like your mom, like, no, I just don't right. want to do anything. Well, th this, this uh, resource will, will help you uh, ask the right questions so that you can bring your core convictions and values to bear. I, it sounds to me, Chris, correct me if, I, if I'm wrong, that you, you looked at her response and said, I don't think necessarily what you're saying is completely in line with all of your, your values and priorities. So we need to talk about this a little further. Is that correct? Uh, yes. I think yeah. I think that's a fair assessment of it and then <laughs> later on she said with my my brother and his wife standing there with another doctor she said I think my sons uh, are having a hard time letting me go <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, and we said, right. Mama, we uh -huh. want you to go. We just don't want you to go sooner than you, you need to, you know? That's right. That's right. And you know what, Chris? One of the hardest things in a family situation is is when different people, especially those who are going to be left behind, maybe look at it a little differently than the person who's who's making the decision, you know, who's, whose life is at stake. And I, I think two things. We need to to help them to understand everything that's at stake and how, if they're a committed Christian, how Christian priorities would relate to it. But then secondly, we really have to, to trust them with that decision. You know, God God has given us a decision to make about our eternal life, and, and God certainly could force us to make the right decision. <laughs> but, right. But, but he doesn't. That has something to do with the nature of love and of people having the responsibility to take responsibility for their decision-making. So, you know, I love the way you did both of those things, Chris. You, you, you didn't just go with her first gut reaction. You helped her to think through what her values and, and priorities would really lead to, but then you respected her choice. You recognized that, that life has been given to us, and it's not our 
family's choice. You know, it's not our parents. We don't get into heaven on because what our parents did. Um, uh, our life and our life choices are we're, we're given the responsibility for that. Yeah. Dr. John Kilner is with us today. I want to give you an opportunity to talk with him, and maybe you're in a similar situation, or you're at the other end of uh, the beginning of life, and you're wondering, how far do we go in order to uh, procreate? And you want to ask a question along those lines, 877-548-3675. We have a link to the medicaldecisions.info website at our website, chrisfabrylive.org, or you can just go to medicaldecisions.info. We also have that uh, website that you mentioned a little earlier about the uh, Harvest Bible Chapel that includes some of the Christian content and theological, working through those. I love the way that there are two roads. It's almost there's a road to be taken, and, and the or you can take this one on the website, because when I went to the advanced directives, there is the first choice that is always extend life or don't always extend life. Go this mm. way if you think you must always extend life, even by the slightest amount, even when doing so will greatly increase suffering. Or mm-hmm. the right side says, don't always extend life. Go this way if you don't think you must always extend life, even by the slightest amount, when doing so will greatly increase suffering. I think yes. a lot of people are in those you know, in the in the second category. So I'm going to walk mm-hmm. people through some of this, but I, I want to fold in some calls too. And Colleen okay. is in Indiana. Colleen, why did you call today? Hi, Chris. Thank you for having me on. I am calling because I work in the hospice industry, and I'm actually on my way right now from leaving a family who are making these exact decisions that we're talking about. Um wow a family who is facing um, a terminal disease and looking at do they want to continue treatment or are they done? They're, you know, they're tired. The treatment can make you sick. They can reduce your quality of life significantly. Um, And making those decisions alongside your loved ones to stop those treatments is a really hard decision to make. To move forward with hospice is a courageous decision. Um, I'm a public relations liaison. I I spend my time educating wherever I go about hospice, about what it is and about what it's not, I think, which is more important. Um, Helping people to understand that it is your choice. You have a choice in the way that you die. You have a choice. In the in when to end treatment, you don't. The medical industry is not always right. Hmm. You can say no. And yes. I Colleen, we were just talking about this before the program <laughs> with Dr. Kilner because he says people. He said people need to know of the constructive alternatives that are out there, and I think yes. you, you're bringing up that point right there. Dr. Kilner, respond to that. Yes, I love that. And I'm so glad that we've been able to uh, bring hospice into into the picture because what the whole hospice movement has done, it's recognized that uh, technology is great. Medical technology is great. And, and, and we want to, to live and we're grateful for technology that keeps us alive. But you can actually add burden and suffering to the dying process that's going to take place anyway. And that's something that people don't, uh, 
often <laughs> stop to think about. Um, so there's no obligation to make your dying worse. You see, see, when people reach certain situations, there there begin to become markers or indicators that they're in an end of life situation. And hospice is based upon, you know, it, it recognizes that you can't determine exactly when that is when you're in the dying process, to use a, a terminology here. But they, but they use this six month as kind of an outer limit. You know, the idea is you're you're. It's a matter of days or weeks or, you know, maybe a few months, but, but there's enough, indi- if there are enough indicators that, that yeah, you're probably not going to be around in the next six months. Well, then if we do various invasive treatments and they can't keep us alive, we're going to die anyway. You can easily begin to imagine how it could make your dying worse than if you didn't have those processes. So you can be you know, very affirming of life and the value of life. But when you get in that dying process, the whole situation changes. And then you might decide to withhold treatment because you're, it's more burdensome than beneficial. Yes. But how you normally don't think well enough through that ahead of time. It's when you get in the crucible of, whoa, well, here's the decision. Do we, do we go this route or not that you're faced right. with it? And what your website does is it allows you to think through so well or the advanced directives. Uh, so, and Colleen, thanks for your call today. Let me give you our number, 877-548-3675. 877-548-3675. If you go to chrisfabrylive.org, you'll see a green button on the front page there, Medical Decisions website that you can go to. And if you click the program information, you'll find out more about uh, faithful medical decisions. We have a link right there at chrisfabrylive.org. More of your calls straight ahead. talking about beginning and end of life decisions. And a little earlier today, I read an email from CareNet that made the connection between the woman at the well and the rich young ruler. Both of these people needed Jesus, but one walked away sad while the other embraced the news of the Messiah. And you know what? Jesus loved both of them. At CareNet, that's what they're called to do. CareNet folks around the country help women and men deal with an unplanned pregnancy, but they also offer love and support to those who walk away and make a different decision because their goal is not just the saving of babies, as good as that is, and as many as they've saved over the last few years, it's to make disciples. Click the green CareNet button at chrisfabrylive.org. I think you'll resonate with their biblical model of rescue and healing for the individual you can find out about the pro-abundant life ministry of CareNet by going to chrisfabrylive.org. Click the green CareNet button today right there, chrisfabrylive.org. Dr. John Kilner is joining us today at the Radio Backyard Fence. I mentioned we've talked mostly about end-of-life decisions. Let me real quickly go to Alabama. This is from CNN and the first-of-its-kind ruling. Alabama Supreme Court mm-hmm. said frozen embryos are children— and those who destroy them can be held liable for wrongful death, a decision that puts back into national focus the question of when life begins 
and one that reproductive rights advocates say could have a chilling effect on infertility treatments and the hundreds of Alabamians who seek them each year. So as you look at this, I mean, it's quite different than end of life, but really we're talking about the same thing, aren't we? Oh, well, certainly in terms of uh, how we value life. And I think that it goes all the way back to Genesis. And, uh, you know, in creation, there are different categories or kinds um, in the creation. And there are, you know, there's inanimate material, there's plants, there's animals, that sort of thing. And it's only people who are said to be created in the image of God, uh, Genesis 1 and Genesis 9 says, and you must not kill uh, any person, you know, any innocent human being. So that would attach to, uh, is does an elderly person, does that fit in the, the human category or in the plant or the rock category of creation? No, I think in the human, uh, 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 an embryo, a human embryo that's genetically human and is a, a being biologically, a human being. Is that in the rock category or the plant category or the, no, it's in the human category. So yeah, from the beginning embryo to the dying elderly person, that's a human being and they're made in the image of God. And your uh, position, or as you look at this Supreme Court decision, I mean, there's going to be a lot that comes from this uh, down the road. But what is your sense about what it may do, the ripples in the culture that we're in? Yes, well, I'm actually surprised, Chris, at how this has been handled um, in the media and by the organizations that are covering this, because all I have seen, and I looked again even this morning to see if, if further analyses are coming out, is the idea that, well, if this is allowed to go forward and if embryos are human beings and can't be killed, then the in vitro fertilization, uh, you know, the practice is over and, and agencies are closed and, and women can't get the surface anymore. And that is just simply not the case. And let me just you know, quickly explain why, uh, you know, in vitro fertilization, as it is commonly done, you produce a whole bunch of embryos, you know, so you might produce, you know, 10, 15 embryos, um, you'll implant one or two, and then you'll freeze the rest. Okay, well, the problem is, you know, the freezing itself um, can uh, be uh, harmful to the embryo. And so as a result, the, the notion here is we don't want to endanger embryos, so we can't produce all these extra embryos. And we've got like maybe as many as a million in frozen storage in the United States right now. So the ruling that Alabama's handed down, if you took embryos seriously, is not that in vitro fertilization can't be done, but it's just that you can't produce this overabundance of embryos. You just will produce, uh, you will stimulate the woman to produce a number of eggs. You will, let's say best practice, um, you will just fertilize one of those eggs and implant that embryo into the woman if that doesn't work, you'll fertilize another embryo, uh, another egg, and implant the embryo into the woman. And if you're doing that carefully, you don't even need to do the kind of dangerous and expensive hyperstimulation of the woman. You can even engage in a process like uh, so-called mini IVF 
in which case you only do a much milder stimulation and only produce maybe four or five eggs and, and fertilize them one at a time. So what I'm saying, Chris, is that this is not an all or nothing at all. What, what people are so concerned about is that if we recognize embryos as human beings, then we can't do this mass production of embryos that's making more, more profits and an easier process for um, the fertility industry. But you know that 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 is not in a you know you can't just talk about embryos there in a vacuum because this leaks over into the abortion debate that has been going on, uh, you know, for since nineteen seventies and and then be beyond that as well. But if yes. if an embryo, if a frozen embryo, is a human being, then what is that mm-hmm. embryo in the womb? If it's not a human being, it's it's not a rock and it's not a plant, as you said. That's right. So mm-hmm. this has. I think that's one of the reasons why you're seeing some of the pushback in the media, don't you? Oh, absolutely. No, I think that if you, uh, I mean, people are recognizing, I think, the implications of this, that um, you have to decide what makes a human being a human being. And of course, you have to decide whether it's okay to kill any human beings uh, for our purposes, you know, for economic purposes or for making people's lives better or whatever. And I think everybody recognizes, well, that's a that's a hard sell, you know, to, to right. people or society in general, that it's okay to, you know, kill certain types of people. So everything is at stake as to when do you have a human being that's worthy of respect and protection. Yes. And why not skew toward the safety, you know, skew toward the, the <laughs> most innocent among us having worth? Uh, I'll stop right there and go to Stephanie in Illinois. Stephanie, you're on with Dr. Kilner. Hey there. Good afternoon. You can hear me okay? Sure can. Go ahead. Yes. Oh, good. Just want to make sure. Thank you. And, you know, when I heard... <laughs> Chris, talking at the beginning of the program, I thought, well, I probably don't need to listen to this because I'm past all four parents, my husband and mine. But the latest that passed away exactly 10 years ago is my mother, and I took care of her at the end. She had uh, dementia, um, felt great otherwise, but it was just the mind. And um, towards the end, um, she... I had to make a hard decision after, I mean, within two weeks, she was gone. The hospital thought she just had some uh, uh, fever. That's what I thought. I was giving her insure. And um, anyway, after eight days, ICU, after taking her from the hospital, just couldn't do anything. And I was presented with really no choices except the 24-hour hospice at the end, which ended up lasting about five days. So I never left her side. Um, And I had to um, take the information, um, chat with my two sisters about it, and we just, with not having a lot of options, we said, yeah, we just have to go this way. And so I took care of everything. So all this to say two things from this. And one is anyone that has to make that decision and sign on the dotted line that you're releasing her to hospice, which um, a year later, Satan was saying, huh, 
you just signed away this woman's death. How about that? And I trust, trust me, I believe Satan to any believer will come after you, whatever decision you make. And you just need to be ready for that and give it to God and ask the question, God, did I make a problem? I'm a, uh, a bad decision. I mean, I was given no choices, but still, I still signed on the deadline. And um, and God will talk to you about that. And then um, also, the uh, the greatest decision I made once we made the decision was not signing until the next morning because it had been a full day of a lot of grief and finding out and making decisions and just taking that time to say. I'll sign tomorrow. It gave me a good night's sleep and a fresh day. Mm. But mm-hmm. the other thing is, um, what was my other point? I'm for, forgetting You now. think about that, things. Stephanie, because I, you, what you've just said is enough for us to mm. chew on here, especially that, okay, I'm going to press pause. I guess sometimes you can't do that, but to give yourself the time, Dr. Kilner, to process, because you're in the, in a state of grief, you know, and you're, you're going, you're running on fumes a lot of times, to be able to give yourself the, the space to just sit with the decision, that's, that's, in, that's critical. Yeah, it is. And, and that's, that's one thing that in developing these resources that you've been telling people about, the, the websites, uh, and especially the main uh, medicaldecisions.info website, it's based on the notion that if we can, you know, prepare, if we can have time to think things through, it makes such a difference. So it begins by developing the advanced directive, which the site can enable you to do. There you sit down, you know, in a process like this, I would sit down with my mother who's declining and we would go through this exercise walking down these pathways. I mean, it's a, a fun thing to do anyway. And I would see her, you know, answering, I value this, I value this, you know, this is important to me. And of course, we need to do this while they're still mentally, you know, able to do that. That gives me something so valuable because then I understand her wishes and beliefs and priorities. And if we have, if I take issue with any of that, we can still talk about it, you know, early on. But the other use of the resource is for a current decision. And yeah, it's something that you can go through. It, it identifies for you, what information do I really need to understand from the doctor? And that's the thing, boy, you get caught in a medical situation. It's like, okay, you should do this, or you should, you should go into hospice right now or, or whatever. And your, your mind is spinning. You, know, you don't even know what to ask the doctor or what information I need to make a good decision so that Satan's not going to, you know, uh, really plague me with this as she was talking about down the road so that I know that I've, I've asked the right questions. I've gathered the right medical information. I've made a good decision. And so again, right. That's what this resource is designed to help you to do. And I think you're exactly right about the accuser loves to accuse and keep a distance between you and God, you and your family members who are going through the grief of this, if you go to chrisfabrylive.org, you'll find that website that we're talking about today, chrisfabrylive.org. More straight ahead on Moody Radio.
I hope this is a helpful conversation for you today. And maybe just that, just talking about this in a scenario that Dr. Kilner has put out in his website will be helpful to you and to somebody that you're trying to lead. Dr. Kilner was telling me that they, he didn't want any ads to be on here. He wanted this to be absolutely free. He wanted anybody from any faith perspective or no faith perspective whatsoever to be able to go and to answer the questions and to be led through this. But there is a there is a sense that eternity is at stake here, and and you were able to develop some of that in in the website. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, one thing I think the bedrock uh, ethical standard for decision making is this idea of informed consent. In other words, you have to give your decision and it has to be based on being well informed about the alternatives available. So when we're talking about these end of life decisions, well, some decisions you make, you know, may bring on death a little sooner than other decisions. So to be really to give an informed consent, it seems to me, uh, just objectively, you have to have some sense of what death will be like so that you can kind of weigh that in the hopper. So, well, how are we going to bring that into, into a resource like this? Well, you're going down the path and at one point you're asked, well, um, you know, this just what I just explained, you know, that uh, that you need to have some idea of what death is going to entail to to make your decisions and to weigh everything. So, uh, you know, are you are you clear on that point? Uh, are you interested in watching a short video to help kind of prod your thinking so that you could compare your understanding with uh, another prominent idea that's out there? So, you know, it's raised in a way that if people really don't want to get into it, they just go the other path. But it's raised in a way to hopefully raise enough curiosity if people say, sure, I'll watch a short video. And so I sit, I just say, well, let's just take an example uh, from the Bible, uh, you know, widely held. It's based on the testimony of somebody who's died and come back from the dead to tell us what it's all about. That's Jesus. <laughs> and so, uh, so they get a presentation which includes the gospel message itself. Um, about what death looks like from a, a Christian perspective and how you can be forgiven and, and have an eternal life with God. So it, it's intended to be there in an objective sense. Everybody should think this through and be clear in their minds about what death entails, and it gives them something to chew on, the gospel. And so if a family member wants to share this resource and walk through the pathways uh, with a loved one, it's a very natural way to raise the questions of what death will entail and what the gospel is for further discussion. Especially if you have spiritual mismatch in the, in the family with the siblings or others who don't hold the same opinion you do about the afterlife. Uh, it right. can be a great way to walk down those trails. Okay, so here's a caller, Amber, who said we have a we had a successful uh, in vitro procedure. The doctor asked if we wanted to freeze the eggs. We said no, and we went through the process. We only had one egg fertilized. And we named our daughter Grace. Um, Deborah is in Alabama. Deborah, why did you call today? Well, um, I'm just so pleased that you're talking about this subject because I've had to deal with both ends of it. I've 
I've uh, watched and cared for elderly family members who had to make these decisions, and we've had to make decisions for them. And um, it's not an easy process, but, you know, when you know the Lord and you know eternity is right around the corner for all of us, there's no fear to it. You know, it's all very practical and you're very logical the way you decide things. But presently, I'm I'm uh, dealing with stage four cancer, and um, I always said, oh, I'll never do chemo and I'll never do all the stuff that you watch people go through that. And I thought, this is not for me. And I was in my 60s anyway, and I thought, you know, I'm going to go home to be with the Lord, and that's going to be it. My family had another, another opinion about it. They thought I should go ahead and try chemo. It was the only option for me, chemo and radiation. So I said, okay, we'll just try this and see what happens, you know. So I went through it and um, had joy all the way through it. It was not an easy process, but God was right there with me, and I got even closer to him and drew family members in, and we just, you know, kind of enjoyed the process, even though it was painful and, you know, lost my hair and the whole thing. But um, And they were there with you. Deborah, they, they were there. there. They were there with me, and yeah. helping you make I mean, that decision just, too. And that, not something that you necessarily you know, said. Never, I'm never, I'm not, not going to do that. And just listen to that, Doctor Kilner. I hear that story <laughs> from others, don't you? Yes, I do, absolutely. And you know what I what I love about that is that the issue was raised about uh, let's try it. And I think that that's something that that people often don't realize in these end of life situations. They're like. Boy, if I start something like chemo or, you know, or whatever, it's like I'm stuck. You know, that's that it could I could just be adding torture to my dying day. That's not necessarily true at all. Uh, you can say, here's an option. Let's try it for a limited period of time so that we can better evaluate. Will this have life saving potential or not? Will it be adding uh, unacceptable burden to the dying process or not? And then we can make a better decision about continuing. You've got options. You know, one of our earlier callers said something really important is you can say no. <laughs> you know, you, you <laughs> say, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. And um, this has been really helpful. I'm so glad that you put the website together. Medical Decisions website is linked at chrisfabrylive.org. And then there's the Faithful Medical Decisions that brings in the biblical, the theological more so. Um, and the other is for just about anybody there, and Christians walking through that as well. Uh, so that's available at the website. Go to chrisfabrylive.org. Dr. Kellner, thanks for all of the years of effort that you've put into this and uh, really the fruit that's coming from it. God bless you, friend. Thanks for being with us. God uh, bless you as well. Thanks, Chris. Again, you can find that website, Medical Decisions website, at chrisfabrylive.org or the Faithful Medical Decisions. Just click through today's information and come on back tomorrow. Chris Fabry Live's a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.